that it's going to be all right. It doesn't, it's going to be all right. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It's going to be all right. Amen. So long as you have Christ, you have life. So long as you have Christ, you have hope. And if you don't have Christ, today is a good day to accept him and receive him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We are looking at righteousness, understanding righteousness, accepting it, walking in it, living in it. And um, I pray that before the month ends, we are able to have a look at a few things, you know. We have the gift of righteousness and we have the fruits of righteousness. Amen. And for we to be able to manifest the fruits, we first of all have to acknowledge the gift and accept the gift. Amen. And um, I think it's one of the misconceptions in our faith and one of the things that sometimes we cannot comprehend. But I pray that as we go through scripture after scripture, we'll be encouraged, we'll have revelation, we'll have understanding, and we'll have receptivity. It was one of the ways that I could never say, so I used to generally avoid using these words with TIV and things, but by grace is coming. Amen. You know, and there are many things that are gifts from God to us, but I believe that a lot of Christians do not even accept the gift or do they do not know that? Have you ever had a present that you haven't opened before? I was listening to a man of God and he was saying that one day he was on a flight from somewhere to somewhere or something. And somebody came to, saw him on the flight and came and was like, hello, how are you? You know, I, you know your messages bless me a lot. Oh, what a, this one is not coincidence. It's God that okay say, oh, you know. And then the person went, then the person came back and the person was like, I really wish I could sow something into your life, you know, but I didn't even know I was going to meet you. And then the person took his watch and then gave it to the man of God. And then the man of God took the watch and put it in his bag, very annoyed that you don't respect. You have come to take your watch on your hand and you have come to give it to me. Do I look like a secondhand, you know, receiver of things? So he says that when he arrived in his church, the Sunday, you know, after church and things, and then one of his, you know, main shepherds and things, he was like, you know, I, re- I got this as a gift on the flight, you know, there's here, take it. Then he gave it to the person, you know. <laughs> I tell you. So, no, it wasn't a Rolex, but it was something in that vein. But what, what happened was that, a couple of months later, you know, and then he was somewhere, and then, no, he went to America, and then his host took him to a shop, and then when they went to, as we were going to a shop, when they entered the shop, and then the host was like, hey, as for these watches, we shouldn't even attempt to look at it, and then he saw the label, he was like, oh, isn't this the watch, and then the guy was like, why, do you have one? He said he was stammering, he couldn't say, yes, I have one, or <laughs> And the guy was like, this is one of the most expensive. Then when he went to look, the, a much smaller version of the watch that was given was like $15,000. He says that when he went back to church, he was looking at the guy. No, he couldn't say bring. He was looking at the guy like, 
<laughs> I see you, I see you. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you imagine the expensive gifts that God has given us that some of us have thrown away, we have boxed up, we haven't unwrapped. We don't know its value, we don't know its use. And that's the thing with gifts, because sometimes, because we haven't paid for it, we haven't worked for it, we cannot appreciate its value. Sometimes, until we see somebody else using it, or somebody else assessing it. So I pray that as we assess the gift of righteousness, you go and pick your own that was given to you. Amen. You see, because the gift of righteousness is not earned, but it's received in such a way that we can easily not value it. Let's read a couple of scriptures. Today we'll be reading Romans 5, Philippians, and the book of Philippians, and we'll be reading. Tell somebody we'll be reading. And tell the person when we finish reading, we'll read some more. Tell the person you came for midweek Bible study. Amen. Yeah, so Bible reading should come very easy to you. Romans 5, we'll read from verse 1 a few verses, then we'll go down and read a few. I'm reading from the NLT. It says that, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, do you know that there are also, when it comes to God, a lot of the gifts are received by faith? Do you understand? Yeah, my husband has promised me a gift, you know, and I don't know whether it's coming this year or next year, but my family and I, we have received it by faith. And when we do receive the gift, we'll let you know. And do you know that for you to receive a certain gift by faith, it means that the gift is so big that, unless by faith. Yeah, yeah, because if right now I tell Prince that, after church, I'll give you 20 pounds. He doesn't need faith, do you understand, to accept it. But if I tell Prince that sometime this year, I'm going to give you my car keys, yeah, his faith has to grow. <laughs> He's raised his hand and he receives it. <laughs> it was an example. <laughs> therefore, since, <laughs> therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Not because of what we have done. Our right standing in God has nothing to do with us. Amen. That is where the religious spirit comes in. Because we are trying to work so that God will bring us closer. But Christ has already done that job. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Many Christians don't know where they stand and don't know that they have received that privilege. Hmm. Let's go down. We're going to read. From verse 12. In fact, let me read verse 11 first. So now, verse 10, all the verses are nice. Hey. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved 
through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, our new fellowship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins. How many of us qualify in that group? <laughs> For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who received it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. Which means that you cannot be born again and not have the gift of righteousness. And I think that the value of being born again has been diluted and almost neutralized. Because being born again is a supernatural thing. That conviction, that the Holy Spirit convicts us, that we come to the place of acceptance of who we are and what we need, and come to the place where we receive salvation, is the place where we receive the gift of righteousness. But you see, it cannot be received with understanding. It cannot be received with analysis. It has to be received by faith in Christ. Which means that how can you say you are saved but cannot accept that you are righteous? It is the unbelief that we have the gift of righteousness that makes us remain in sin. Because we have been programmed to such a point that we feel that sin is the real thing and we have to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight till we overcome sin. So we spend all our Christian days and hours and moments overcoming sin, binding and loosing, praying for mercy and forgiveness, running away from men and women, running away from things. Rather than accepting this free gift that we have and walking in it. Because the gift of righteousness is needed for us to remain in fellowship with God. You cannot have fellowship with God unless you have been made right with him. Who can ascend? Who can come near? And last week I, I told you that we have to shift from where our emphasis is on our 
maneuvering and trying to manage and overcome sin and let our focus and our mind be in living in the righteousness that we have received. Can you imagine that a season of your life comes where now poverty has been taken away from you. Maybe you have generated wealth. You, are now, you have created businesses. And, you know, now whatever you want, you can have, you can buy. When you go into the shop, you know, you can get whatever you want. And now that you have that, anytime you go into a shop, rather than seeing where you're at now, or whatever, whatever you are living, whatever you're doing, it's like you are living in, hey, you know, I used to be very poor. You know, I used to have a lot of financial challenges. You can easily have the most luxurious life and still live in poverty. Like Reverend we say, the mindset of, but this one, it is of the heart. Do you know that sin emanates from the heart? In fact, before a, a, a sin is committed physically, it has already established itself in the heart. So my prayer for us is that we are going to appreciate the value of righteousness and we are going to get to the place where we accept. Because if you cannot accept the righteousness of God as your gift, how are you going to accept all the other gifts God has given you? Do you know that? There's so many. Grace is a gift. Isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of gifts. If we are in Christ, we have dominion. If we are in Christ, we have love. If we are in Christ, we have prosperity. If you are in Christ, you have righteousness. I feel like I have to say it and say it and say it again till we come to the place of accepting that it's ours. Because some of us, maybe our, the degree of our sins were so complicated that we don't see how God could have crushed all of this in one moment. We almost feel that maybe he doesn't understand the complexities of where we are coming from and what we have. I remember when we were in South Africa that one, uh, we used to have this minibus that used to go around and, you know, they'll go and witness to people and sometimes they'll go to very deadly places and then they'll speak to them, carry them and then bring them to church. And when they come, they'll give their life to Christ. And one day, one of the guys who had given their life to Christ started, you know, he was transforming. You could see great transformation. And one day, Reverend was having a chat with him, you know, like, so now what are you doing with your life, you know? And the guy was like, I used to be an arm robber. And I think that the Reverend was in his office alone. <laughs> I think one of them said he had killed. Yeah, yeah, so he said, and then you asked him what did he, he said he had just come out of prison. So you asked him what did he do? He said he killed somebody. <laughs> you see, you see, you see how we are behaving. You can't even believe that he too he has received the gift of righteousness. <laughs> and where Reverend's office, if I, even inside Reverend's office, Reverend's table was used to be at the far corner from the door. <laughs> it was very far. So even if he screams, it will take a while for anybody on the corridor to know that <laughs> help is required there. But that is the beauty. I think he was the one who eventually built a house or something, isn't it? Bought a house. Yeah. You know? And you, what have you done? Have you killed somebody? Have you robbed somebody? Why are you looking at me like, Pastor, how far do you want to go? 
I want us to look at a few things to understand that our righteousness has already been dealt with by the coming of Christ, his death, and his resurrection. That's my main aim for us when it comes to the gift of righteousness, that Christ has worked already for it. It is yours. And it's not that it is yours to put in your back pocket. It is yours to live. You know, for a long time, we used to describe uh, righteousness, you know, as being in right standing with God and all that, which is true. But I believe that it's incomplete because God is righteous. So God is righteousness itself. Just as God is love. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And which means that if you are a child of God and now you have the gene of God, then the righteousness of God is in you. Father, I heard somebody describing regeneration as a, a renewal of your genes. A renewal of your genes. Yeah, because you may have your father's gene, your mother's gene. Then when you get saved, you have Christ's gene. Yeah, regeneration. Gene. So, yeah. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. Can you imagine I've been preaching all this while without my glasses? Glory be to God. Can I have my glasses now? Yesterday, yesterday, I asked Reverend to. Joe said it. Joe. Sasha, have you seen? I told you that by his fruits, you will know. It didn't take long at all. Just a few, an hour or so, it has sorted itself. It's gone. Yesterday, I asked Reverend to read something. And then he was like, well, I said, you're the only person whose sight is good. Then he said, hey. Then <laughs> Where you are placing your faith is not very good. <laughs> I said, right now in this house, you are the only one who can thread a needle. And you, are the only, you are the only one who can see beyond font, below font 10 or 12 or 14. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is still Lord. So the first thing that we must appreciate and value about this gift is that it is our faith in Christ. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. The book of Philippians. I think it's one of the nicest. Anybody, when you get saved, you know, if you want to stick with the Bible and like the Bible for a long time, I will encourage you that before you go and read Ezekiel and um, <laughs> yeah, you know, read Philippians and before you go and read Hebrews. Read, read Philippians and be happy small. Then later on, you know, because by the time you have read Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, all things work together. I mean, you'll be so happy. So by the time you go and read Ezekiel, and he says that their blood will be required at your hand, you, you would have had a bit of strength <laughs> to, to, to receive some of those things. Philippians 3, let's read from verse 6. I like, I really like Philippians. I think that when we go, we'll give Paul a thumbs up. No, we'll give him 10 out of 10. Verse 6, the Bible says, I'm, going, I'm still reading from the NLT. It says that, 
I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obey the law without a fault. How many of us have seen people who look, I mean, it's like, they are almost like Bible bashes. I mean, like when they take, you know, the other time somebody came for, to University Chapel, and we're having discussion, and we're have, they were having a debate and things, and they had gone into Leviticus, and they were battling over uh, if somebody has a tattoo, and then they were battling over, you know, hearing, you know, and they were arguing and arguing, and I said, do you know that all the things you are saying is, is there? So if we are taking Leviticus, don't take only one verse. Continue reading. That's the continue reading. He said that you cannot mix linen with purple. I said, uh-huh. what are you wearing? You are wearing with jeans and wool and jeans. You know? And that is why you must be a Christian with a complete faith. Do you understand? And never based a doctrine on any passage or even a book in scripture. You understand what I'm saying? By the time we had gone through it, now they were a bit hesitant I said, no, don't be hesitant. It is true because there are a lot of things, even in the Old Testament, that God gives us a conviction on. Do do you understand? That God gives us a conviction on. And when you have that conviction, you must adhere to it. But don't turn it into a doctrine. I hope I'm helping somebody. He says that, as for righteousness, I obey the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. The church has come to the place where sometimes we don't take care. We drive people away from Christ. We drive, we minimize the number of people who can be saved. And then when we get saved, we set the bar so high that others cannot get saved. Verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because, you see, you can be a supposedly straight person, religious person, and not have Christ Jesus as your Lord, and not know him in that way. Do you know that there are people who follow religion but don't have relationship? And that has been the... In fact... What brought the Orthodox Church to a place where it emptied out was religion. And there was no relationship. Listen, even if you're in a marriage and you don't have a good relationship, the marriage can survive, but it's dead. Yeah. I have to feed my husband three times. I'll feed him. I have to have sex with him. I'll do it. I have to do it. I'll do it. But you don't have any relationship. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Paul is teaching us something. That this gift, it is not a complicated thing. All you need to do is set your eyes and your affection on Jesus. Your desire is for him. Your desire is to know him. Your desire is to be close to him. Your desire is to stay in fellowship with him. The reason why you will not, the the appetite for sin is taken is because of the new appetite you have for Christ. 
Because every appetite has to be quenched. And all of us, we have appetite. Or, do you know that even the people say they don't like food? One day, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, hey, she had about two kids. And when, before she had two kids, I mean, she, she wasn't maybe like a very big person or anything, but after her two kids, she became like size one. So one day I went into her office and I was like, what are you doing that you, after all this, your children, you know, and she said, oh, her appetite for food is gone. You know, one of the things that happened after breastfeeding, her appetite for food is gone. And so I said, what, so like, are you eating healthy, like, you know, veg and grass and food? And she said she doesn't like vegetables at all. She doesn't like, uh, it's like, hey, but you collapse and die. What are you eating? And she was like, come, come, come. So I went around her desk and she opened her top drawer, her middle drawer. Her bo- it was all filled with chocolate. <laughs> uh, please, nobody go on that appetite. Bila is looking at you like, what kind of advice? I'm, I'm not giving anybody advice. I'm just telling you that. Everybody. And yet all she was eating was chocolate. So her appetite was there. It was not there for chicken or rice or, uh, uh, I was going to say garbage, cabbage <laughs> or broccoli. Her, her appetite was for all kinds of chocolate. And I mean, and this was, it wasn't anywhere in Europe or anywhere, but in that remote town somewhere in Africa, she, was, she had managed to find ways of importing all kinds of very nice chocolates from across the world. Hmm. Verse 9, and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. God's way of making us right with himself. So, those who also just throw it out in the air. Yeah, listen, when you are saved, you don't have to worry about when you It will only depend on when you even have faith in that salvation. So, it's not an automatic thing that because I've said the sinner's prayer, so I have, no. When we come to look at the fruits of righteousness, you realize that you know whether the gift of righteousness has been there to manifest its fruits. What Paul is telling us also, apart from having faith in Christ, is to also know that our faith in Christ fulfills the law and makes us righteous. I'm going to read this last part of the We're going to read Romans 3, and then we'll see. Paul understood this very, 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 very well. I'm going to read from verse 19. Am I helping somebody with appreciating the value of the righteousness that you have, that is in you? You know, and sometimes people feel that it's such a contradiction because if our righteousness is as filthy as rags, then yes, because the righteousness that we have 
is absolutely of not, it does not have much any value at all. There is no, our, our righteousness of obeying the law, doing this, it doesn't help us because you realize that you can only sustain it for a very short period and then you get fed up. Let's read verse 10 and 11 before we go into Romans. It says that Philippians 3 verse 10 and 11, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Give me this in the New King James, the Philippians 3.10. I think that is a scripture that we must all know, and we must all desire that I may know him. Give it to me in the King James or the New King James. That will be okay if you have the Bible there available. If you don't, yeah. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Verse 11. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, that we may experience it, that we may live it. Romans chapter 3. Spend more time developing your relationship with Christ. Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in the word. Spend more time living out the word that you are reading for your quiet time, that you are hearing from the pulpit, that you are listening to. Invest in that. The more you invest in it, the more you will see how far you have moved from the things that bound you, from the things that tied you up, from the things that made you feel dirty, feel filthy, that stuck on you, the addictions and all that. Spend more time with Have a revelation of who Christ is in you. I always say this thing that even when you meet somebody that you say you don't like, if the person is patient enough and will give you the necessary attention, time will bring love. Time. The one that the person will say that, I don't even know why I married her. I don't even know why I married her. Yeah, because sometimes you find guys who say, oh, as for me, she says she'll cook for me, I'll go and eat. I mean, after all, it's food, I'll go and eat. As for me, it's food, I'll go and eat. If she says she'll go and, uh, if she says she wants to buy me a new, I'll, I'll, yeah, she says, uh, and she says, hey, she says, she says, <laughs> we'll be there and then we'll see you walking down the aisle. We'll say, what did she say? <laughs> Fellowship. Fellowship brings a level of closeness that negates a lot of things. That is why in certain parts of the world, the story keeps rotating itself and repeating itself over and over and over. Husband has two children with house girl. Husband marries house help. Husband sacks wife and brings husband. Yeah, and, they, and it's always the same thing. Because the wife is busy, she has become either a businesswoman, she's a, what, a corporate woman, she's a something, something, and this little person who has been brought will bring, um, um, sometimes they even call the, they, they even call the, uh, uh, the husband daddy. Daddy, do you want your lunch now? Daddy, do you want your dinner now? Daddy, are you okay? okay. Daddy, can I sort of, 
Daddy, can I take your... So even sometimes when daddy arrives at home, by the time he's opening his door, the can say, can I take your briefcase and go and put it down for you? Daddy, where is your... Daddy, 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 daddy. And then the wife too will come and then she, she, she'll be like, why haven't you cleaned that place? Why haven't you done? And daddy too is looking at this girl who is so helpful and so nice. Why is this woman being so horrible? I'm preaching to somebody online in a part of the world that understands this message very, very well. I tell you that affection develops. Affection develops. Affection develops. Affection develops. And that is the same way affection for Christ will develop. Listen, I was in school with two sets of uh, ladies. One set's mother was the original wife. The other said their mother was the house help who became wife. Yeah, because she became wife. In fact, as we speak, she, she remained wife. She remained. And uh, for a long time, I didn't even know. But I was much closer to the original wife's daughter. You know, so one of the days we're talking, I was like, if the one who was my friend was actually, after the mother left, she went to my son and had that. So her older sisters had the name. So I was like, how come your sister's surname is this way there? She said, oh, my mother was the original wife in this place. Yeah. And the, the mother was the one who went to bring this lady from somewhere and said, oh, Come. You're a good girl. And she came to do daddy, daddy. Daddy, 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 daddy. All I'm saying is that if we can start doing to Jesus, daddy, 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 daddy. Philippians 3. We are so rigid when it comes to our relationship with Christ. We are so religious when it comes to our... That is why we are not experiencing what we should experience out of the relationship. And that's why we are trying to, with our might and our flesh, handle things we cannot handle. The reason why Christ had to come was that we realized that even the blood of bulls and the blood of cows and rams was not sorting the thing out. Because we come and kill the bull, then we go and sin again. We come and kill the we go and sin again. Let's finish this scripture so we can go home. Philippians 3. Am I helping somebody? May you, may you get closer to daddy. <laughs> oh, you people, you're not serious. <laughs> Verse 19. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Christ took our punishment. That's the existence of the law, isn't it? Yeah, so that you realize that when something is not regarded as unlawful, we can do it, even if it's not right. 
Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some places that when you're driving, you can talk on your phone. There are some places when you're driving and you talk on your phone, they'll take your driving license from you. Verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the Lord, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That is it. We keep anywhere, whether we go to Romans, Philippians, we keep coming back to the fact that we have to place our faith in Jesus Christ. Haven't you seen that those who place their faith in money, they take care of their money very well. And they go and find more of it. And they chase after it. If you like, place your faith in Jesus and see. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, the arm robber, the whoever. Because you see, human beings, we struggle, especially when certain things are not our challenge. We struggle to see how such a person can change, how such a person can be covered, how such a person can be redeemed. Do you, do you understand? But that's why you have to stay in scripture to realize that there is nothing that overwhelms God. There is no sin that cannot be brought under the blood. But you see, it's not a thing that you say with your mouth. The blood covers me. The blood. No, no, no. It's not a. It's your faith. And remember that your faith is seen in your action. It says that verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He says that yet God, with undeserved kindness. You know, there's a scripture, before we continue this one, Proverbs 21, 21, the Bible says that, he who earnestly seeks after righteousness, mercy, and loving kindness will find life in addition to the righteousness and honor. There is something about righteousness that works hand in hand with mercy and kindness. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, with forgiveness. Verse 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them also in what he would do in the present time. God did this. That is why he had to go down. Because there were people down there that he had to also resurrect. Do you get what I'm saying? They also needed to be covered. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on, on obeying the law. It is based on faith. I pray that from today, we will have a level of confidence 
to come out of whatever we are struggling with, whatever we are challenged with, whatever we have been sitting in, whatever filth or mess we have stayed in for so long and have resigned ourselves that we cannot. I pray that you will receive the faith to rise up and come out of it. After all, verse 29, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Amen. Amen. Don't be an ignorant Christian. Don't be an ignorant Christian. Because sometimes we use grace and things to negate the fact that we have to obey the word of God. That our faith in Christ will bring us to a place of obedience. And will bring us to alignment to his will. So it doesn't mean that now wrong is right. No, it means that now we have grace to do that which is right. Right. 